Okay, great to be together once again. If you are watching us online, thanks for joining us that way. And uh, if you happen to be new here this morning, it is really good to be together. And I would love to meet you if I haven't. My name's Todd. A uh, very happy Mother's Day to uh, all of you moms out there. Happy Mother's Day to my wife, Jillian, to my mother-in-law, who's right down here, and to my mom, who's right here. Would you give them a round of applause? Thank you. And uh, happy Mother's Day to all of you who uh, have that honor. And I wanted to um, say this before we get into our sermon. I know Mother's Day is a joyous occasion for many, but it's also one of those mornings and one of those occasions where it can almost be something that bumps up against a bruise or a wound that you have that can actually really sting at times. And I think as a church, we just want to acknowledge that right now. And some of those wounds and those hard things could be that you might be struggling or somebody you know struggling with infertility. And, you know, just realizing that this is a hard day for you or somebody who maybe has lost their mom and thinking about them and this is a, a tough day for you. Could be that you are a mom and you have lost a child and that makes today tough or you have a child who is estranged from you or not where you had hoped that they would be. And I want you to know uh, that as a church, we recognize all the degrees of emotions that happen on Mother's Day and want to be there to walk with you. Um, and so I was reminded this week that uh, there is always someone who is going through what you're going through. Maybe not exactly the same, but there's somebody who knows. And it's really important that you develop community. We had somebody this week I, I talked to that's struggling with infertility, and um, her and her husband happened to be put in a community group, two other couples who are struggling with infertility. And it has been wonderful for them to be able to go through such a hard thing together. Right? I think the same is true of all the different issues that we might be struggling with. You are not alone. And if you feel alone, come to us because we as a church want to walk with you. All right. Well, listen, yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's um, dive into our sermon today. Uh, and we are in the last week of our series that we're calling Modern Family, where we have been going after some different aspects of what it looks like for God to design family. And today, we are going to cover something that I feel like is very fitting for Mother's Day. We're going to talk about the, the call on God for us as parents. All right. Now listen, if you are not a parent in here, don't tune out. Because I believe that everything I'm about to say is relevant for us as people, not just as parents. And I hope you'll see what I mean as we go throughout this sermon. What I want to do is um, first start off by telling you about my family. If I don't know you, we have four kids. You actually were introduced to them uh, right up here earlier at the baby dedication. Um, our youngest is Libby, who was just dedicated. She's almost two. And uh, with Libby, she is wonderful, and yet at the very same time, she needs a lot of guidance right now. Right? You never know what she's going to do. Actually, she did so good here. We thought she'd be running around. She wanted to, she kept saying she wanted to play that piano. Um, that's what she kept saying. But anyway, she is someone we have to keep an eye on at all times because you never know what she's going to get into, what she's going to climb up on, what she's going to jump off of, what she's going to pick up off the floor and put in her mouth at any given time. And sometimes with Libby, we're walking around and we feel like we're herding sheep with her because she needs a ton of guidance. Now, with our older kids, they don't need that same kind of physical guidance, but instead they need more emotional and spiritual guidance. 
And I was thinking, because we kind of have the spectrum of ages from 2 to 13 in our house. And what I've realized is that with every age group, parents, God's call on us is really challenging. And it's a challenge because our kids really need our guidance. And I was thinking about this. Um, there's a theme in the Bible that is probably a theme that carries out through a lot of the Bible, and that's this whole shepherding sheep analogy. And I couldn't think of a better way to describe what it looks like to parent kids, that we are shepherds trying to herd sheep. And sometimes it's physically hurting them, sometimes it's emotional, sometimes it's spiritual. But that's God's call in our life. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to take a look at one of the, I think, most popular chapters of the Bible. That even if you're not familiar with church, you've probably heard this read somewhere, maybe even at a funeral. But it's Psalm 23. Psalm 23. And what I'd like to do is pull out biblical, some, some parenting principles right out of a passage that's not actually about parenting, all right? So we're going to take a look at this in just a moment. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 23, but I'm going to ask two questions to you this morning. They're very simple, and hopefully answer them. First is, what do parents need, and what do kids need? What do parents need, and what do kids need? So let's dive into this. First, question number one is, what do parents need? Psalm 23 David writes this psalm, and the first three verses say this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Right? David, like I said, is the one who wrote this. Now, David is king over all of Israel, and he is a former shepherd. So if there's anybody who knows what it's like to be a shepherd, it's David. But what I love about this passage is David is, was a shepherd, he's now a king, and the first thing he does in this passage is admit that he actually also needs a shepherd. And I, what I want to tell you, parents, is the most important thing you could hear from me today, from Psalm 23, is that if you want to be effective in shepherding your kids, you first have to understand that you need a shepherd. But you need a shepherd. David is the uh, king of, of all of Israel. So he is like the leader of all leaders. The whole nation bows down to David. It doesn't get any higher than he does, than he is right now. And yet, David says, listen, I'm not even in charge of my life, let alone this kingdom, because the Lord is my shepherd, and he is everything that I need. Now, parents, listen, I want you to know this, that you are the God-given kings and queens of your household, right? You've been put there to be in charge of shepherding your kids. But what I want you to know before anything, that if you want to be effectively doing that, you really have to understand that you have a shepherd to show your kids, not that they need a shepherd, but that you do too. And I think that's the best thing you can do as a parent. In other words, and I'll, I'll put this on the screen, I want to drive it home, but if you want to be effective in shepherding your kids, you need to first understand that you are a sheep, right? I am a sheep. And here's the thing about sheep. Sheep are really an interesting animal because uh, out of all the animals, they're one of the few animals that need to be herded. That's why they're shepherds. But you don't hear like other animals. There's not a lot of names for other herders. 
because sheep are one of the few that actually need it. I don't know if other animals just figure it out a little bit faster than sheep or whatever it is, but sheep, sheep need to be herded. They've got some issues. And here's the thing about sheep. I was doing my research on them. Sheep have trouble seeing very well. Their eyes are put in weird spots and they can't walk very straight and they are known for following their fellow flock anywhere, including even if they walk and follow them right off of a cliff. There are true stories of that. What sheep are most known for, though, is simply wandering away from the flock. They're known for that. Now, here's the hard part that I have to tell you today. Out of all the animals that are talked about in the Bible, the one we're compared to all the time, <laughs> sheep right? It's not an easy thing to admit, but it's true because sheep wander, and so do we, right? Moms, dads, kids, we are all prone to wander. Listen, this sheep, this sheep theme is all throughout the Bible, so Isaiah 53, 6 says this, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What we see in this passage is that we see our need to have a shepherd. We see our need, we, see, we realize that we are a sheep in need of a shepherd because all of us, like sheep, have wandered off away from the home we were created for. But God, in his infinite love and wisdom, provided a way for us to get back home. That's why it says, all we like sheep have gone astray, but God has laid on him the iniquities of us all. Who is him? Right? That's Jesus. Everybody knows the answer to that. Right? That what God has provided for us as sheep is a leader to lead us, a shepherd, and his name is Jesus. And let me talk about Jesus for a minute. Uh, Jesus didn't come down here um, to try to get us to stop being sheep. That's not why he came. He didn't go, hey, I'm going to come, but I've come to make you work harder, be smarter, get your act together, walk straighter, see better. That's not what Jesus came to do. Because there was no way we could stop being sheep. Our sin has led us to wander away, and we are constantly wandering away. So what happened is, in his love for us, God looked down in our wandering and in all our sheepiness, right? And he loved us in spite of us and decided to give us a way to come back home. And that's, that is the gospel. And parents, I want all of us to understand this before we even talk about what it looks like to help your kids. Because the gospel is this, that you were made to be at home with God. You were made to find your home with God. Right? That means life connected to God is the best life you can live. But all we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us has wandered off. Right? And some wandered more than others, but we've all wandered. And, and all of us have, have turned to our own way. We have become our own God. That's the definition of sin. That we look at God and we know what he wants us to do, but instead we just do what we want to do and we wander away from the home that he created for us. All of us 
But the greatest news is that God so loved the world that what he did is sent Jesus to this world to be the shepherd that would bring us back home, that he sacrificed his life in our place so that we could be forgiven and come back home to the God who created us. That is the gospel. And parents, I, uh, I want you to know this, that that's the most important thing for you to do to be an effective parent is for you to admit that you are a sheep in need of a shepherd. And then you can come back home. And that, you'll be well on your way with parenting. Um, one of the things I hear in our church sometimes uh, from parents is I will say, hey, you know, why'd you decide to come to Silver Creek? And a lot of times, because we have uh, good kids ministry and good student ministry, a lot of times they will say, like, it's, it's for our kids. And, and it's not for the preaching is what they'll say. And it's really, I'm just kidding. That's it. Um, <laughs> But they'll, they'll say it's for the kids, and, and I, I think that's a good thing. I think that's a noble thing, because if you're, as parents, prioritizing church for your kids, man, that's such a great move as a parent. But what we hope happens is that parents find out when they come here that, yes, it's going to be good for their kids, but that it's going to be really good for them, too. And I actually think that what we sometimes do is we think that, you know, our kids need a shepherd. They're like sheep without a shepherd. But, you know, we're grown-ups. We're okay. So we'll bring our kids here. But listen, you need a shepherd as parents just as much as your kids do. Right? They, you need it too. And uh, if, if you don't get to that point where you're willing to admit that, then I think what happens is you're sending a wrong message to your kids. Because what you're, the message you're sending to your kids is like, yeah, you need Jesus, that's why we're bringing you to church, but eventually you'll graduate from church and you'll be good on your own, right? As in, you can graduate from Jesus. But you can't, because all we like sheep, we go astray every single day. You cannot graduate from being a sheep that is in need of a shepherd, and I think the best thing you can do for your kids is model your need for Jesus. Let me give you a, a, an example of that that's happened in this church. Uh, there's a, a, a high school girl, I think it was in eighth grade at the time, uh, Izzy, Isabel. And she got baptized last year here at this church. And she got baptized because, you know, she felt like Jesus had saved her. She wanted to publicly declare to the whole church that this is who she was, that she was a follower of Jesus, which is awesome. But part of her story that she wrote in the baptism class is that she was compelled to get baptized because her dad did like a, two years before. And her dad's name is Tom. They're over here somewhere. There you go. Izzy and Tom. And uh, they're real people. <laughs> Tom, I want you to know, I think that was your finest parenting moment. And you didn't even know it. Because Tom wasn't actually getting baptized so that his kids would get baptized. Tom was getting baptized because he recognized his need for Jesus. So he needed to get up and publicly declare before the church that he was a sheep in need of a shepherd, that he was a sinner in need of a savior. And his kids were watching, and it had made such a huge difference. I, I want you to know that that's what God, I think, is calling us as parents more than anything, is just to be a sheep in need of a shepherd. Uh, my parents, who are also here, uh, did a great job raising me, and they actually um, taught me a lot of things. I don't remember much of what they taught me, all right? 
but I remember the way they lived. I remember the way they lived, and it made all the difference. Because I remember coming down, their, their beliefs matched their, uh, their actions. Their beliefs matched their actions. And uh, I remember coming down in the morning, my dad would be at the table with his Bible open and his journal. He's praying, he's soaking up scripture before anybody else is even up. I remember uh, my parents both serving the church so much to the point where there'd be random people at our house that they were just caring for and praying through hard things with because they just really loved people and wanted to point them to Jesus. Those are the things that stuck out to me and made all the difference for me as I was growing up. And parents, I want you to know that parenting is so much more caught than taught. I mean, kids pick up on it so easily and so um, again, my challenge to you is if you want to be effective in parenting, first, admit and show your kids that you too are a sheep in need of a shepherd. Make uh, Psalm 23.1 your life verse. The Lord is my shepherd. Right? As simple as that. It leads me to my next point, or my next question, which is what do kids need? What do kids need? Um, so, obviously, parents need a shepherd. Kids need that same shepherd. We know that. However, parents have been called to be a huge part of shepherding their kids. And so the primary call on us as parents is actually to shepherd our kids in such a way that they would eventually see their need for a shepherd. They would eventually see their need for Jesus. And that's not easy to do. But what I want to do is in Psalm 23, I want to point out two big truths that I think we can shepherd our kids to. And by the way, it's called shepherding because we can't save them. We can't, like just what Dan said, it's shepherding because of that. But there are two big truths, and here they are. Um, there's life is hard, and God is good. Life is hard, and God is good. So let me unpack a little bit of what I mean when I say life is hard and God is good. First, life is hard. Look at verse 4, back to Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Right? Now, what you see in this passage is really interesting, because if you remember what was right before that, David's going, you lead me beside still waters, green pastures, you restore my soul. And then he's like, valley of death. You know, like, there's this really abrupt change that happens in this passage where it feels like he's sitting on this serene beach atmosphere there's nothing wrong and everything's going fine and then he's like now I'm in the valley of death but I want to tell you this that I actually don't think that it's a scene change for one this is metaphorical right but it's not a scene change it's not like it was good and things were good and now things are bad both Things are true for David at the exact same time. And here's why. For David to say he was the in the valley of the shadow of death meant he was going through something really hard. But David knew that it did not change what God had already done inside of his heart. And here's what I want us to know, even as parents and as people who are trying to follow the good shepherd, to follow Jesus, is that we cannot God did not come to change the circumstances surrounding our lives. He came to transform our heart on the inside. 
And when he does, there is not a bad thing that can happen to you that can take away what he has done inside of your soul. That's why David can say, he restored my soul, even in the valley of death. And that's what, uh, there are two words here that I want to focus on. He says, even though, even though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though life is really hard right now, even though I'm in a season of life that I can't, I feel like I'm barely breathing, I'm barely holding on, even though things are hard, right? What he's saying is, you cannot take away what God has done inside of my heart. And I want you to know that if you know Jesus as your Savior right now, what you have inside of you is a treasure that cannot be taken away. Outside circumstances cannot do it. And I think we need to teach our kids these truths. Let me uh, read to you 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 9. It says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way. It's hard, but not crushed. We are perplexed. It's confusing. It's really difficult times, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but we will not be destroyed. And in the Bible, it goes on to say in the same passage, verse 16, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self and our circumstances surrounding us is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they're temporary. But the things that are unseen, what God has done in your heart, are eternal. It, we got to teach our kids that passage. Because life is hard. The only thing your kids will know for sure, you should teach your kids, is that life is going to be hard. But we have to make sure that we are helping our kids connect their happiness, not to their circumstances, but to the Savior who gave everything so they could be back home with God. That's what we have to be doing as parents. Um, one of the reasons I think there's a lot of kids that are growing up right now, maybe even growing up in the church, and they're abandoning their faith. And I think one of the reasons they're doing it is because we may have not have taught them well enough that life is hard. Because what they're doing is as soon as things get really hard and confusing, they, are, they don't know what to do, and so they feel, well, maybe God has abandoned me, so I'm going to leave him. But I, I'm not, I don't want anything to do with God because he's abandoned me. But here's what I want you to know. We've got to teach our kids this. God didn't abandon you. We've all abandoned God. And so what God did in his love is abandoned his one and only son so that you would never have to be abandoned. Right? Even when life is hard, he has not let go. I think we, so what we need to teach our kids is that the reason things are hard is because we live in a sin-stained world that is not our home. One day, it'll all be just the way God wanted it to be. Right? These are the things we need to teach. I think... Um, one of the hard things with our kids as they grow up these, in this world is that they have almost access to any answers and solutions that they need right now. So because of phones and because of the Google machine, you know, they can, they can get on there and they can find out the answers to a lot of things. And we all can do that. We've all been in um, 
conversations. I'm sure you've been in a conversation in the last week where you were talking about something and then somebody didn't know the answer to a question that they had about something. And you're all sitting in a circle and it only takes like three seconds before somebody pulls out their phone and goes, we're going to settle this right now. All right, we'll find out the answer right now because we have that kind of access and that's a good thing. But if we're not careful, I think what can happen, especially with our kids as they grow up, is there's this false sense of uh, figure, having the solution to everything, this false sense of security, and this false sense of like feeling like we're in control of everything, and we know how to navigate any situation. But what happens when life gets really hard, like when, when tragedy strikes, like you can't, you can't Google that. There are no really good answers to those questions that's why we have to teach our kids that what is happening on the inside of your heart can never change what happens on the outside that'll never go away all right so that's the first truth that we need to guide our kids into is that life is hard the second truth that we need to guide our kids into is that god is good god is good look at verses five and six you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, some of our staff was at a conference just this past week, or last week, and uh, there was a lot of good things we learned, but there was a pastor who gave a talk on Psalm 23, which really compelled me uh, to be in it today. And he gave an insight that I'm going to take from him because it was really good. His name's Timothy Atik, so giving him all the credit. But he taught me something in this passage that I had never seen before. And this is what it says. I'm going to put these both on the screen. In verse 5, David says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Before me. And then in verse 6, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. In other words, God goes before us, his goodness. God comes after us. We are completely surrounded by the goodness of God. Completely surrounded. And uh, what I want to do is kind of talk about each one of those things here. First, it says that he prepares a table before you. Before you. Now, what I want to say, this is so encouraging me this week, because when you know hard times are coming, you can get really anxious and really nervous. But this truth is saying this. There is not a place that you can go that God won't already be there. How awesome is that? He's there. He knows it's coming, and he's waiting for you right there, even if it's hard. And what it says in this passage is, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That means David is like right in the battle. He, he is in a battle, and at the same time, he goes, God is preparing a table. He's gone before me in this battle. He's going to be right there in the hardest things in life. And I know that you're familiar with this, but um, sometimes in your hardest seasons of life, have you ever felt this? Never felt closer to God before? Like something really hard happened, and you're like, man, I've never been more dependent on God than in these really hard moments where there's a medical issue or there's a relational issue or whatever. I think that that speaks to this passage because what David says is you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. A table is where you eat, 
Right? That's what he's saying, is you prepare a meal in front of me in the hardest seasons of life, and it's not a steak dinner. It's not a physical meal. It's a spiritual meal. That means in the middle of the hardest times in life, God is so good that he didn't cause that time, but in the middle of it, he wants to show you something to nourish your soul more than he could without that hard thing. And he goes before you. There's nowhere you won't go that God's not already there waiting for you and preparing you for something to learn that you need to hear. Right? We need to teach our kids that as well. That God has something in mind even in the hard times. And then he also says that he comes behind you. That his goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And this, I think, is one of the, the coolest things about this passage. Because here's what we know about all, our, all of us, right? We all, like sheep, have gone astray. What happens, even for parents, is you're going to have times where your kids run away. Is no matter how good of a job you try to do to raise them to know Jesus, they're going to run away at times. They're going to stray. They're going to look at God and say, I don't want to do things your way. I want to I do things my way. Parents, we do the same thing. But what this passage is reminding us is that you can run away, but God is following after you with his goodness and his mercy pursuing you. Not what you, He's not going, oh, that guy left or that girl left. Well, forget about them. I'm going on to other things. That's not the way God works. It says all of the days of your life, his goodness and mercy is going to follow you even if you're running away from him. And that's the, the beauty of the gospel. The gospel is not that we run to God, that we realize, oh, we're pretty messed up, we're like sheep, I better go back to the flock. That's not the gospel. The gospel is the opposite of that, that we weren't even looking, we didn't even know that we were running away. That's how bad it was for us. But God sent Jesus to run after us to run behind us to look for us to pursue us with his goodness and mercy that's what jesus did for us and so listen i want you to know goodness and mercy is following you if you have a child who maybe is running away or not getting it do everything by the way you talk and by the way you act to follow them and hotly pursue them with the goodness and mercy of god because that's his heart for them that's his heart for them all right, so he goes before you. Oh, there's a parable that Jesus tells called, uh, it's called the parable of the lost sheep. You may have heard this parable. Um, so Jesus tells it, and he says, hey, there's a shepherd who's got 100 sheep. He loses one. He said, Jesus said, any shepherd would leave the 99 and go after the one, whatever it takes. And when he found that sheep, he would put that sheep on his back and he would carry that sheep back to the flock. And when he got back, he would be rejoicing. And he'd tell his friends, we're going to throw a party because this sheep of mine was lost and now he is or she is found and bring him back to the flock. And what Jesus says is there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents and turns back than the 99 righteous people. I, I want you to know that Jesus' goodness is surrounding you. And as you're running away from him, there's going to be times where you go, I know this doesn't feel right. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm doing this. That's the goodness of Jesus running after you. 
trying to stop you. And at any point, you can stop, you can turn around and surrender your life to him because he loves you, right? Listen, parents, uh, challenge for all of us today is, first of all, we need to know we are a sheep in need of a shepherd. If that's all you get out of today, it's probably enough. But we need to shepherd our kids to show them that they also need a shepherd. Let me pray. Father, you are, uh, you are so good. Your goodness pursues us. Your mercy runs after us. And I admit today that I am a sheep in need of a shepherd. Sometimes it's easy to try to do it my way. It's easy to wander. But Lord, I am so thankful for Jesus, who is my good shepherd, who has brought me back home. Lord, let us be the kind of people that find everything we need in you. Lord, we love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name.